Hi, Jim here. Thanks for listening to this past episode of the Ski Podcast. Since releasing this podcast, we have a new supporter of the show. The Ski Podcast is now supported by Switzerland Tourism. They will be helping us explore some of the 355 ski destinations across the country, from famous names of Samaritz, Lax, Davos and Zermatt, to the lesser-known resorts that cover their mountainous land. We will be reporting on them and telling interesting stories about the people who live and work there. In total, there are 7,067 kilometres of slopes to ski and 1,800 lifts to ride and at least 80 of them are funiculars, which is good because I do love a good funicular. Well, there's a lot to do, so while we get on with that, you can get on with listening to this episode of the Ski Podcast. Thanks, listener, and thanks, Switzerland Tourism. Uh, ho, 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 and welcome to the latest episode of the Ski Podcast. It's 2018 still, but it'll be 2019 soon, um, and we're very excited. Uh, if you live in the north of the UK and fancy going on a slide over the next few weeks, you will probably be heading to the Chill Factory. And if you do, don't forget you can still get 10% off your next ski by using the code SKIPOD10 at the checkout. That's SKIPOD10, capital letters, at the checkout. I am Jim Duncan, and this is my last ski podcast that I will be recording in the UK as I'm leaving for the French Alps and won't be back for a while. I'm joined as ever by Ian Martin, the font of frozen knowledge that he is. Ian, have you been skiing since we last spoke? Um, well, yeah, I have actually, because um, you're coming out to the French Alps, but I'm out here at the moment. I'm in uh, La Rosière, uh, at the end of the Tarantaise Valley, and I've uh, skied the last couple of days. And, uh, well, yeah, on the, my first day, which was Tuesday, is those sort of perfect conditions that you dream about, quite frankly. They'd had 30 centimetres of uh, maybe, yeah, 30 centimetres of fresh snow, you know, overnight. And it had been a whiteout the day before. And then it was perfect bluebird conditions. And I had a guide showing me around. Amazing. Wow. Well, we're going to talk more about that later on in the show. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Magic. Also in this episode, we have reports from Shaman St. Anton, an interview with someone from Le Rosier, not just Ian talking about it, um, TV, <laughs> Team GB's new training facility in Manchester, and we will be going at Parade Ski. Um, you can find out how to get in touch with the show by heading to the skipodcast.com. So, uh, it's a lot of snow in Le Rosier, that's right. A lot of snow in the Alps, really. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, for sure. I was I was a bit dubious because um, when I came out here, you know, you, if you only look at the official reports and you look at the photos, you know, I was kind of expecting the coverage not to be that great. But, yeah, high up, one and a half uh, uh, metres of snow, lower down, 70 centimetres, you know, conditions are, um, are really good. Yeah, pretty good. Um, while we're talking about snow, I just wanted to say that it's uh, snowed in Ezcaré in Rioja in Spain, that ski resort I never went to. Oh, yeah. Um, just remember back, remember that? that? That ski trip I never went on. Yeah. Um, it snowed there, and I saw that. I thought that was very exciting. Um, so they're saying the snow is really good out there. I've got a bit of a dilemma, Ian. Yep. As I mentioned a minute ago at the top of the show, I'm moving to the Alps and going to La Clusa. Uh, the lift are opened. Um, I'm going to arrive on sun- Saturday night, which is Sunday morning. I'll be there, but I've got to pick someone up from the airport at three o'clock the next day on Sunday. So I haven't skied for a few months. 
what am I going to do here? Should I get up early on Sunday morning and go skiing, throw everything out of the van and just go for it? Or should I be patient and wait until maybe Monday or Tuesday when everything's calm and settled down? What do you think? Well, I would look at the forecast because it's all, it's all about that, isn't it? You know, if it snowed uh, on Saturday, assuming you've got, uh, you know, no problems getting into resort with your excellent... Uh, hopefully you don't have to rely on chains but you know if it's been snowing on saturday and it's going to be blue sky on sunday morning forget everything else and get out there on the mountain you know you've got to plan your day around the weather that's good advice thank you i've bought snow tires i'm ready for yep. it oh, while, we're to, while we're buying stuff i've got a secret santa for ah, you Ian. excellent i love uh i love well, it's this not... bit of the show which we which we've been doing the show so long we did secret santa well, I guess it's probably back in uh, episode seven or eight, something like that. What is it this year? Go on. Shall I unwrap it? Yeah, well, it's not secret, obviously, because it's just you and me doing it. So we both know who's kind of... Um, so last year, what did I get? Um, I got you um, something from Audi. I got you a ski outfit from Audi, yeah. I think. Um, I've gone the other end of the scale this year, Ian. And I know we set like a 10, 20 pound limit, but I've gone a little bit right. over. Ian, I've got you pe- a pair of Oro Nero skis by the Italian manufacturer Foil. Have you heard of them? Um, no, I'm not sure I have heard of them. Go on. These, these skis, Ian, are made from 8,000-year-old peat-aged oak, which I think is that's quite forward planning on their behalf. Um, they come with gold-plated ski poles, gold-plated bindings, and I've got you to go with it, a handmade leather bag. What do you think of that? It sounds good. I mean, gold bindings and everything, they sound more like something that's been designed for Donald Trump than, than for me. Um, it, is that peat-aged oak going to be sturdy enough to get me around the mountain? Yeah, I mean, it's got other things like I know a lot about, such as, you know, quadrazilla carbon stripes on it, um, stainless steel edges and graphite race nanotech-based yeah. technology. Well, I probably won't. I probably won't present. re-gift them, and I probably won't, I'll probably sell them on eBay if that's all right. Well, yeah, these are limited edition. Ian. These cost me forty thousand pounds. <laughs> You've gone over the budget there, definitely. What did we say? Massively. Five pounds each. Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to spend it. I had the money burning a hole in my pocket. I thought you'd yeah. really like them. Right. Well, um, so yeah. Well, I'll try them out. I'll try them out and then sell them as uh, you know. Uh, unwanted gift I'm glad you sound so good <laughs> do you want to know what I've got you uh, yes do you want I to do. Kind of unwrap it oh yeah um, I haven't got my paper yeah. I'll just tap well, my I'm glad that you went over the uh, over the top on the budget because so did I uh, have you heard of the carve at all uh, the magazine. No, it is a digital ski coach because I know that you're always wanting to improve ah. your technique and you've done lots of stuff with with Dave to help uh, work on that. And this is a way that you can work on your uh, on your skiing and improve it the, the whole time. Um, so does that ring any bells? Have you seen it at all yet? Are these the ones that go, it's got insert into your boots? That's exactly it. So you put this um, ultra-thin insert uh, into your boots uh, and then you have uh, an app on your phone and a, a tracker which um, which follows what's going on um, 
via Bluetooth and it can tell you how symmetrical your turns are and compare your right and your left and look at exactly what you're doing uh, you know, with your uh, edges and then give you feedback on every run to try and improve your uh, efficiency as you go down the uh, down the hill. So, have you tried I to try yourself? I really like to try them out, but um, I've uh, read a couple of re- reviews, and uh, you know, personally, I you know, might find it a bit annoying to have some some app telling you that you're not quite perfect. So I'd rather just imagine imagine <laughs> that you know it's uh, it's worked really well. But uh, you know, if you're someone who really wants to get their technique exactly right. And they retail not quite £40,000, uh, but I think they're in the right. 200s. So you can either get, you know, a couple of inserts. Um, yeah, 229 for two inserts, two trackers. Uh, or you can, um, you know, double up. But you're lucky because, believe it or not, they're actually um, sold out of their first few batches. And, uh, you know, it's too late to get them for Christmas if you want to get them now. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, interesting piece of new technology for the uh, for the early adopters out there. I like this idea that I'm going to be going down the slopes with my headphones on, and effectively, it's going to be like that woman that tells me I've missed the turn. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you follow it live all the way down the slope necessarily. I think you do the run and then you oh, right. uh, you know you check your app at the bottom and it says uh, could do better. Your skis were not parallel. Your skis were yeah. not parallel. Unexpected item in the <laughs> ski boot area. So, Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you, Ian. And obviously, Merry Christmas to all <laughs> our lovely listeners. Um, right. Do you want to talk about Brexit at all? <laughs> you not Brexit. Bothered? I mean, we have covered it a number of times uh, on the show. <laughs> I've noticed that I noticed the listening figures go down. Right, it wasn't one of our most popular ones, was it? Maybe we'll call it something else. I mean, in in episode twenty, we uh, discussed it, and also back in episode eight. And in episode eight, we were joined by a chap called Charlie Owen, who's in a seasonal businesses and or set up this organisation, seasonal businesses and travel, and that's a lobbying uh, group. And he's had a lot of coverage in the last week, actually telling us stuff that he told us a year ago. Because um, when did episode seven, uh, or when did that come out? Yeah, a long time ago, January. <laughs> but that's the beauty of Brexit, though, Ian. Nothing, <laughs> Nothing changes. changes. If you go back and listen to episode eight, which we released on January the 6th, 2008, he says exactly the same things in, <laughs> in an interview in The Guardian published on the 18th of December. And then he was actually interviewed, uh, very excitingly, I guess, on, on BBC News. Uh, saying the same thing again then. So, um, yeah, nothing changes. Basically, it's not good. Brexit wouldn't be good for, you know, ski tour operators. That's the gist. I agree. I don't think it would be very good. It'd be sad for me. I'd be sad about it. Um, I haven't really got much of a further opinion on it. I mean, I've got lots of opinions here. But I think this is the well, right on a, on a podcast Brexit. about skiing, it's got to affect everyone, hasn't it? Oh, it affects everyone. Because um, they've also been talking about how um, skiers are going to be fine for flights as well um, after Brexit. That's the big uh, news no as well. Problem. Um, did you see that? Yeah. So there's been a big open skies policy. Uh, and the majority, it's been building, like, obviously, there's lots of stuff that we look at, um, that um, 
ski destinations have made agreements with sorry, ski countries have made agreements with the UK that flights will continue to fly um, even if there was a no deal. So you still going yeah, well, to yeah, I mean that would be ridiculous <clears throat> if that stopped. But then maybe the whole thing's uh, ridiculous anyway. Maybe that's why we shouldn't mention it because it must be. 52 to 42% let's say of our listeners maybe a few have changed their mind who are in favour of Brexit and we're alienating them by suggesting that maybe we think it's a bad idea Did I ever tell you about the um, the survey I did with one of my clients about um, it was a ski instructor company um, and we surveyed ski instructors specifically about their thoughts on Brexit and what do you think the percentage would be that um, vote, wanted Brexit out of those? Um, we, that's well, 2,000 people. Zero. What do you reckon? <laughs> Amazingly, it was something like 80% um, wanted to obviously remain, but there were still 20% of ski instructors who were happy wow. to leave the Yeah, um, that's the Christmas, isn't it? Crazy, isn't it? Something like that. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Right, shall we go yeah. to Chamonix for a report from our friend Bethany Gardner? Here we go. So a little update from Chamonix for you. The winter season has well and truly kicked in. The snow's been falling. Um, we've not had too many snowfalls, but there's definitely uh, snow on the ground and the skiing is going to be pretty good. Um, what's new in Chamonix? Well, for the first time, uh, well, for a long time, we've got a big... Um, Christmas tree right in the centre of the town which has proved to be popular lots of people visiting and taking their selfies in front of it um, probably the biggest news from Chamonix is that um, there will be a new Folly Deuce opening um, I've not been inside it but it's already looking pre- impressive we've got some blue and red lights and I'm sure uh, the first at Prey party is going to kick off so I can't imagine it's not going to be proving popular this season um, on the downside, we unfortunately don't have the top of the Gormonte open because uh, it was hit by fire in the autumn. Um, but the company de Mont Blanc seems to be making some really kind of good efforts, and there's a new beginner area now at the mid station of the Gormonte. Um, and we've got Brabant Flagère open, Les Ouches, uh, Tour is set to be open soon. Um, and obviously the Montanvert Railway for people that are not necessarily skiers, so still lots and lots on offer, and yeah, it's shaping up to be um, hopefully a good season, hopefully we'll see some more snow, and um, we're looking like t- Christmas is going to be super busy, so yeah, um, that's about all to report from Chamonix at the moment, but yeah, it's uh, shaping up well. Um, thanks for that, Bet. Um, if you are a fan of Christmas trees, the Folly Deuce Chain and Burnt Out Cable Cars, get over to Sham immediately. Um <laughs> If you're like me and aren't a massive fan of Christmas trees, the Folly Deuce or Burnt Out Cable Cars, I've never been to Sham. What, is, what else is there, Ian, to attract people? You're like joking. You've never good? been to Chamonix. You constantly uh, surprise uh, sorry. me. I have been to Chamonix, but I've never skied in Chamonix. Oh, OK. I mean, it was back in episode 21 when we discussed about all the uh, fires that happened uh, through the summer. But, you know, Chamonix is one of my favourite uh, <laughs> resorts. Um I actually prefer it in summer, but it has, uh, you know, a cachet that you don't find, uh, you know, everywhere else uh, in the Alps. You know, the area, if you're used to skiing in the Three Valleys where it's brilliantly linked and all the lifts, you know, connect and all the different areas connect, 
you will find Chamonix incredibly frustrating because there are five different ski areas and none of them are linked. Possibly you might say Brevent or Flegere are linked. Uh, I guess that's the same thing. You have to get buses, which is very old school, or uh, yeah, you drive if you want to between the different areas. But it's an amazing skiing there. It's, it's steep. It's, um, you know, the site of the first Winter Olympics. It was a town, <coughs> excuse me, well before um, it was a ski resort. You know, you go up to the Agui de Midi, uh, the highest point, I think possibly Klein Matterhorn might be a couple of metres higher, uh, but the highest point you can get to uh, in in the Alps, 3,800 metres, even if you just go up there to uh, to take the view. But the Valley Blanche run, you know, is legendary from there, 20 two to 26 kilometers, depending, I think, how, how you do it, you know, with a guide, probably wouldn't do it on your own. You know, this is a skiing over a glacier. Um, it's, it's a special place, definitely. I think I really want, I think it's going to be one of those places I will go and ski this winter. Uh, it's not very far from me. I think it's about an hour and a bit. Yeah. Um, maybe, Bet. maybe, Bet. if you're listening, you could invite me over and take me skiing. Maybe that would happen. Uh, that that would be good. Or I'm going to be there in um, next month. I'm going to check out the uh, the Folly Deuce, so I'll report back on that. Uh, and they've got a new spa there called the QC Spa uh, as well, which I'm going to uh, have a look at. Oh, get me a day pass, Ian, I'll come over. Well, I'm sure we can arrange something. Yes, and also, with my lift pass, I get um, a free day in Chamonix. There we go. Um, and we've also got other news from another place I've never been to. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's Becky in St Anton we're going to talk to now. Hi there, my name's Becky. I'm working as a chalet host out in St Anton for Ski Val this season. The resort was officially opened with a concert in early December and was followed by the traditional Krampus celebrations. We arrived here in resort in early December and already there was quite a lot of snow on the ground and that was actually soon followed by significant snowfall and uh, it was really cold after that. Um, right now it's actually slightly more mild um, but it's definitely looking like a great start to the season. Um, it actually snowed just the other night, um, so it had a nice little top up. Um, so we're hoping it's forming a good base. The uh, whole resort is now open and they have been out busy grooming all a piece. So I'm looking across to some of them right now, um, looking really good. Lifts are opening um, at 8.45 and closing at 4.15. Um, and there's a few people out on the slopes right now looking like they're enjoying some really good conditions. Uh, we were quite pleased this year to see that the Happy Valley run down into resort um, was open again this year. So that's actually giving us um, an option other than Kandahar, the black down into resort. And the links uh, to the other valleys are also open. So you can get across to Zers and Lek and see, ski some of those pieces over there. Um, which are fantastic as well. Nice wide open uh, combination of blues and red runs on those valleys. And for those of you that might like a other challenge, you can always look to do the Run of Fame, which is the route from the very top of Rendell on one side of the valley all the way across to Rath on the other side and back. So that's a full day's skiing for some of you. The buses are also operating on a full timetable, so if you are finding you've got those tired ski legs at the end of the end of the day, or maybe you've had a drink or two over in another resort, you can always hop on one of the ski buses back across to St Anton. 
So speaking of Apres, can't talk about St Anton without talking about Apres. Um, everything's getting going now. Um, and those main on-piste bars, um, the ones we've all been to, Taps, KK's, Crazy Kangaroo that is, and the Moose Vert, yep, they're all pumping out the tunes. People are dancing on the tables already. If you head down into town, you can visit the bars of Anthony's and Mermel's, both offering what I thought was quite funny, a contrast of either live music or silent discos. Um, and Seasonaires, as always, um, we're out frequenting the bars of uh, Cuba and Scotty's, as always. Um, and for those of you that do want a later night, St Anton also offers a couple of nightclubs, so you've got like, places like Bobo's and Horny Bull. Uh, other in-resort activities, you've got the ski show, and that's back on on a Wednesday evening at 9pm. And this year it looks like uh, St Anton are going to be hosting the Audi... FIS Ladies World Cup so that would be quite fun to see coming to resort other things out on the hill you've got the snow parks over in Leck and on Rendell being built at the moment um, for those park rats and there's all the different mountain restaurants out here available as well in particular the one that's probably most famous it's called the Hospice Arms and that's based in St Christoph and they have a really impressive wine selection and a cellar you can visit if you fancy a little peak um, and a little nice glass of wine there so in general i mean it's looking amazing now um, just want to be out on the slopes um, and hopefully yeah we'll maybe get some more snowfall coming soon um, i don't think there's much in the forecast for the next few days but the temperatures are still cold and everything's in really good condition everything's running apres going so I think St Anton look like they're going to keep their reputation. Great resort for us. Love the peace, love the powder, love the partying. Enjoy, guys. Cheers. Thanks for that report, Becky. And thank you for arranging that, Ian. Um, I'm assuming you have got that report from St Anton in a further attempt to make me feel like I really should go to St Anton. <laughs> It's n- I'm not it's going. Not I'm, I'm convinced. It's it not sounds rubbish. Make you feel uh, inadequate. Uh, but um, I'm, I've, I have checked which resorts you haven't been to, and I can continue to get uh, reports from all of these places to make you think, "Oh, why haven't I gone there? Why haven't I gone there?" I thought it was good to get a different perspective uh, from uh, on St Anton uh, from Becky, because obviously we covered it in episode 25 when we had uh, uh, Andy sent us a, a report in, and you know, it's it's one of the world's best resorts uh, and it's also Austria where we don't have so much coverage of so uh, again if you're out there in a ski resort in Austria um, big or small we'd uh, we'd like to hear from you and yeah we want to cover as many things as possible in the in the in the ski podcast it's worth mentioning that she said there was um, a lot of snow that has fallen and it's 115 centimeters so far this season which is a good start and they're saying that their base is 30 to 40 centimetres across the mountains in St Anton. So that is by no means a disappointment, is it? That's a good season. Yeah, yeah absolutely. OK, it's time for reviews. Here we go. I like this. We've got one from Johnny Goldsborough. He says he likes it's like listening to your mates talk about skiing. Really varied and interesting show. We definitely will definitely continue to listen and look forward to future episodes. Some ideas, Ian. You got your pen and paper ready? 
He'd like to hear about hidden gems, weird places to ski, worst ski resorts for beginners. I think that might be St. Anton, isn't it? Intermediates, all round, etc., etc. And maybe some stuff on ski technique. But main point, he says, is keep up the good work. That's a nice review. Thanks for That's listening to did, did you see this other new one on uh, iTunes from, uh, from Matt? He's possibly a Liverpool fan. I don't know. It's called Matt32LFC. Uh, five stars. Found this podcast two weeks ago, and I'm now happily passing my commuting time listening to the back episodes, uh, which we thoroughly recommend. I think this is episode 27, isn't it? So there's a lot to listen to back there. That's correct. Uh, informative, interesting, with some humour. Look forward to the next episode. That's it. Some humour, brackets, not much. <laughs> some, but all you need is some humour. I mean, we're not a comedy show, are we? We're the ski podcast. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm a bit disappointed about um, iTunes reviews that you said I think he's a Liverpool fan, which you may yeah. or may not be right. But you can't actually, you know, like if someone left you a review on Facebook, you'd stalk <laughs> that person, wouldn't you, and find out what they liked and what what they were having for Christmas. Whereas with um, iTunes, you can just see what other podcasts yeah. they listen to, like Johnny Burrett, Johnny Johnny um, Goldsborough. He likes um, tennis. He follows the Wimbledon right. Podcast. Well, maybe uh, they're just lucky that uh, you can't stalk them. <laughs> you can't tell me you wouldn't uh, I'm do not that. sure I've got the time to go around stalking people <laughs> we don't get that many reviews <laughs> we also got uh, mentioned on a place called Feed Hub in the top 20 ski podcasts um, which uh, I was pretty pleased with um, there are uh, amazingly at least well actually I don't think there were 20 were there we didn't go that high but there are, there are a bunch of other uh, ski podcasts around most of them seem to be in the States and quite a lot of them are, uh, you know, resort-based or their particular resort ones. But um, there is another one in the UK called Ski the Kingdom. And uh, Jack, who runs that, uh, mentioned this, which is very uh, kind of him. So I thought we'd return the favour. His uh, podcast is very Hi, specific uh, to the kind of indoor freestyle scene uh, in the UK. And, um, yeah, you know, worth a listen if you're going to, if you're doing any skiing in the United Kingdom. That's why it's called Ski the Kingdom. Um, they've also, I believe, got a really good Vimeo channel yeah, that's worth yeah. checking out as well. I'm in La Rosière right now, and the reason I'm here is they've opened up a new part of the mountain called the uh, Mont Valazon. And uh, I was lucky enough to, uh, to ski it on Monday with uh, guide uh, Julien uh, from Evolution uh, 2. And while we were out on the mountain, I just recorded yeah, so, this little uh, bit of audio. Currently on the uh, the, the Valley de l'Est de Mont Valazon. Valley d'Est. Pontest. Pontest. Amazing piece of uh, off piste uh, area that's, uh, you know, has it been opened up by the Mont Valazon lift? I mean, you could get here before, couldn't you, by yeah, skinning? You could get here before by skinning, but it was one hour and a half. Yeah, one hour and a half of skinning, and we just boot packed for 20 minutes 20 to get minutes, here. Yeah. And uh, it's a sunny day, you know, it's it's about 11, half past 11 now. Yeah, nearly 12, yeah. Yeah, nearly 12. Are you checking the sun yeah. again? <laughs> yeah, when the sun's above San Fuan, it's 10 past 10, and when it's. Uh, yeah, above the Folly Deuce, it's midday. And so, midday, you know, and we've just skied down, we've just had perfect, untouched powder. Uh, all the way down uh, this run there's no one here you know let's just be quiet just be quiet did you hear that no you didn't because there's no sound <laughs> that's why it's so beautiful here 
Wow, you know, uh, uh, I, I would have stinned for an hour and a half, but I'm very happy to boot pack for 20 minutes, and we've got this whole mountain to ourselves. I mean, there's no one here. The other people who walked up to the top of Mont Valorzon, which is at 3,000 metres, the lift takes you to 2,800. Uh, they've gone down the north face, down to the uh, Petit Saint Bernard. You could go down to Latouille if you wanted to. Uh, there's a route down there, or there's other routes, um, and not on the uh, Pont de l'Este, which I think I got it this time. But we're just a bit away from everyone else, and it's just uh, just amazing. I'll put a couple of photos up as well. I really like that sound, Ian, that sound of absolute silence. It was just... I'd like to do it right now, but my children will be shouting from the room next door, so it wouldn't uh, no, work. I don't know so. how well absolute silence works on a, on a podcast, but... Um... Oh, it was just, just uh, gorgeous, and you could tell uh, that you know we'd just been skiing perfect powder. It was untouched. Um, the the Mont Valaison. So they put in. It's very very unusual to uh, for a ski resort to be able to get permission to put in a new lift. You know, often they replace and upgrade lifts, but these days to have a new lift put in is quite unusual. And I I talked to the uh, kind of head of the lift company. It's at nine years they've been negotiating for this and they've done you know, a lot of work to make it happen. But for La Rosier, it makes a tremendous difference because the previous highest point in the resort was 2,400 metres. Now it's 2,800 metres, so that's great. You've got higher uh, area. Five new red runs in that area. But for people you know, like, like me, <laughs> let's say, it's those, uh, the off-piste that you can access and uh, I think he, uh, Julian, I can't remember if he mentioned it in the audio, but he used to take to the point that we got to, which was a 20 minute walk, just a boot pack up from the uh, top of the lift. It used to take an hour and a half of skinning to get to that point. And so obviously not so many people went up there. Now, you know, they didn't put the lift to the top of Montvalaise on the summit because they didn't want too many people going into that uh, area. You still have to do a bit of work to get there. But yeah, huge amount of... Um, off-piste you can go down the north face as well down to uh, the col de petit saint bernard or you can go on a, a route to uh, la tuile you know it really changes i think the nature of uh, la rosiere as a resort from you know something that people have previously thought of as a, you know, it is very much a family resort i mean i took my family here you know on their first three holidays when they were when they were younger but uh, you know now yeah, bring your family here. <laughs> Excuse me. Hire a guide, or um, you know, go and go and explore the uh, off piece while they're in their ski lessons. So you think it dramatically does change the fundamentals? Yeah, I mean, of the ski it just area. makes it a lot more accessible. You know, that mountain was always there, and you could always access that mountain if you wanted to. If you wanted to do an hour and a half of ski touring to get to the top of it, and you know, let's face it, that's that's pretty significant. Most people. Most people are not going to do that. Um, so, yeah, you know, it, it, it changes the, the the design and the dynamic of the resort, for sure. Um, something else I'd like to quickly ask you about, La Rosier, Ian, is you, you say it's a family ski resort, but notoriously as one of the worst transfer hills up from Borg Saint-Maurice in the country. In what do you think? How, what, how would you rate it on the vomit? I mean, I'm not sure I agree with that. I think it's quite gentle the transfer up to uh, La Rosière. I mean, I think, uh, you know, outdoors is way worse, uh, for example. Um, I mean, obviously, that's you know, like a classic amount of, of hairpins. But no, I don't rate it that highly. I mean, I've cycled up here and it's actually kind of known as not being one of the steeper 
uh, climbs relative to uh, some of the others. There you go. Maybe I won't listen to those <laughs> yeah. old guests that I used to um, that used to tell me at the airport. In the last few episodes, we have talked about Team GB looking uh, Team GB looking for marginal gains. Um, but there's a new facility in Manchester, not the Chill Factory. Um, it's due to open, where, in the words of Billy Morgan, they are looking to make huge gains. Um, it's going to be called the Greystone Action Sports Academy, and it will feature a foam pit for big air competitors to train. There's also going to be things like a trampoline section and a parkour area um, and lots of other things that aren't necessarily related to skiing or snowboarding. Uh, I think this is a step in the right direction, as a, it would help find new people i think because yeah i think it's going to help new talent move into skiing and snowboarding in a way that they haven't previously been able to do that in the uk yeah absolutely i mean it's a it's a great uh, um facility you know for for the elite athletes to be able to you know hone their skills and um and and develop them more because you know these sort of facilities are pretty pretty rare and if you can actually do it in the uk then then so much the better you know for all those freestyle uh, athletes out there and it's not just open to superhero olympians it's open to mortals like us we can book a session and have a go on all the facilities that's quite exciting <laughs> well i mean I'd like, i definitely would like to go and um are you laughing because you wanted to be included no, in i'm just laughing tech. at the thought of you kind of throwing yourself uh, off uh, in in the big air training zone you know um honing your honing your I so would not even quite sure what <laughs> uh, honing your falls. There you go, <laughs> something like that. But yeah, um, any you don't have to be immortal to go there. You can be mortal. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'd like to see. I'd like to see the video of you in the big air pit. I, I'm assuming you have to go on the big air. I don't know. Is it? Do you have to go on skateboarding? I, I can't work. I can from the overhead and what I've seen. I don't. I can't work out how. On a snowboard and skis, you go it, and well, maybe they put um, like an astro turf, the Dendex or something like that, into it, and you would go off. Go off. Uh, no, well, it, it looks pretty good. Entry point, um, I think, for uh, for skiing and snowboarding. Ah, uh, right. And, it, and it, they do say advanced riders only. Do you think you'll qualify? Well, I'll be like that. Yeah, I've done a few seasons. Yeah. You know. I mean, how difficult can it be Probably. landing in a foam pit? Yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna we'll book yeah. a session in. The landing is easy. Back. It's pulling off, you know, a, a good move that's going to impress the judges in the air. And Billy Morgan will be stood on the side, <laughs> laughing, <laughs> laughing at me. Yeah, um, they say they're going to open more of these as well. Right, I didn't know that. Okay, I may have read it wrong, but it says to me they wanted to get five centres because it was. It's not just for um elite winter athletes that we talk about it's also for skateboarders and um climbers yeah, and, and well, absolutely like and, and, out, and out parkour as well you know all of these things i mean it's trampolining uh there we've seen i don't know what's like around your area but the amount of trampolining facilities that have opened in the last few years and they yeah, lots of them you know the popularity of ninja warriors you ever watch that program on tv um, yeah, I'm going to say I did. It's embarrassing. Ah, I've it's it. not embarrassing at all. I think uh, you know it's a bit OTT, but yeah, those people are amazing uh, athletes, and the kids uh, love watching that. And a lot of these places, including Greystone, have that Ninja Warrior sector within there as well. Um, so you know, it's all about you know balance and throwing yourself around. So yeah, maybe it doesn't surprise me if they can establish it as a uh, as a viable commercial option as a centre for all these different action sports, then 
then why shouldn't it open? And then, you know, we talked about Swindon in the, in the last episode. Um, what was that? Episode 26, the new snow dome that's opening there. And, you know, there's talk of other possible new snow domes in, in Middlesbrough and I think in Merthyr Tidville as well. Now, the more we get in the UK, it's, it's got to be good for bringing people, you know, into the sport and and hopefully, as well as enjoying it, you know, indoors are going to go out to the Alps as well. Fingers crossed. My dad's got an empty warehouse that he's trying to rent out at the moment, so maybe maybe he could open one up around yeah, the corner. From yeah, there. absolutely. But you know, to get the local entrepreneurs on board and make it happen. So while we're talking about and um, the old Team GB people, um, obviously they're actually out there in the winter season live at the moment doing stuff. What, what's going on, Ian? Well, there haven't been any significant action really uh, since our, our last uh, update. But um, by the time of our next podcast, Dave Riding and Laurie Taylor will have raced uh, in Madonna di Campiglia, yeah, somewhere in Italy. Uh, and... Um, Charlotte Banks, who is racing a snowball cross, who we uh, interviewed uh, in episode 25, um, she will be doing her first World Cup event representing Team GB. So it will be interesting to see you know, how she gets on in that. And the freestyle... She's, she's, she's got a chance to do very well. Yeah, well I mean, she was ranked four in the world last year. So you really think podiums are a, a, a possibility. And Dave Riding's on the edge. He might get a podium. It's such a tough sport, though, isn't it? Because it's such margins. Uh, yeah. I mean, top 10 for, for Dave Riding is is probably his, his overall uh, aim for, for consistency. But on any race, he could definitely podium. And the freestyle athletes? Yeah, again, uh, you know, Woodsy was out in the due tour uh, in the States. He came seventh in the slope style uh, there. He, um, but... Otherwise, no significant uh, action. You know, that's not World Cup or FIS. You know, that will all come into play shortly. Um, am I right in thinking? I don't feel like there's like Team GB, and we talk about Team GB and all that stuff. But I don't know why, but I feel like Woodsy doesn't feel like quite part of it. He seems like he's on his own, doing his own stuff all the time. Is that my perception? Well, he's not doing his own stuff um, the whole time. A good observation. He does, he does compete no, no, under no. the GB uh, flag, but. Um, I guess that those opportunities don't really exist for someone like Dave Riding. You know, there aren't slalom events uh, outside the fist system. Yeah, just meant I, he feels more autonomous than, than part of the team. Uh, yeah, well, you know, he's definitely he's definitely uh, you know a, a team GB uh, athlete. But the opportunities are are more there for freestyle athletes to to be able to do that. You know, often they can earn um, you know, income from their sponsors by taking part in independent events or they're doing, you know, movies, um, you know, et cetera, or taking part in one-off uh, type of things. I mean, you've got um, Paddy Graham, who kind of came through at the same time as Woodsy from that, uh, you know, he came out of the Sheffield uh, scene as well. And he's never done, to my recollection, any of the racing, but he still works as a full-time, you know, freestyle athlete. Um, doing doing films and one-off events, etc. I've come all the way from North Devon to Hemel to talk to Ella from Apres Ski Band, um, a company that obviously does a lot with Apres Ski. Tell us about it. We do. We're a music agency based in Maribel in the French Alps. And um, last season, uh, for example, we programmed over 3,000 gigs across numerous resorts, um, the Three Valleys and beyond. 
We do apres ski and evening gigs in bars, clubs, pubs, four and five star hotels and private chalets. You've been involved in some of the biggest festivals in the Alps in the past. Um, what can we do this year? Um, one of our key festivals we're working on this year and have done previously is called Peace Bash Festival and that will be the 11th to the 15th of March 2019. Um, previously that? that was in Maribel, it's based in Maribel. Um, and we'll have comedy, DJs and live music there. Um, and we previously worked with Newton Faulkner, Dub Pistols, A Skills, Charlie Tuna and Crafty Cuts. So Katie tell me who's store. playing this year. This it's year, secret, no, top it's, it's it's top secret. Okay. <laughs> now, how do you feel? Like, um, obviously, Apre Ski has been part of Apre um, skiing life forever, but it's changed a lot over the last few years. How do you feel it's changed? The main change we see is, first of all, it's growing. It's getting bigger. Um, Austria was synonymous with apres ski originally, so people would ski off the mountain at the end of the day and then they'd go to a DJ party and dance and drink and just have fun. Um, and then in Maribel, the Folly do started to grow this, and then we've seen that just grow and grow even more. Um, so apres ski is becoming bigger, better, more renowned, and therefore that idea of knowing what an apres ski party is and how much fun you can have at those is really I feel the production has has changed it's not just a band in the corner it's not a band in the corner it's getting everybody involved it's families it's couples individuals groups of people um, seasonaires who are on their day off night off whatever and it's bringing the party to the people we feel that the demographic of skiers is changing greatly at the moment skiers tend to be getting older now due to good health Um, maybe there are less students or younger people coming out of um, university who are skiing now because of student debt for example um, um, okay so you're obviously experts in this where is the best bars where are the best resorts to go for apre ski well we love Maribel we program so many gigs and events in Maribel um, so Lodge de Village and La Terrasse in Maribel Village Scott's Bar in Maribel um, Val d'Azaire got Coca Rico and um, soon in teen we're going to have uh, the Coca Rico bar opening um, which we're extremely excited about working with them to provide all of their music um, Outdoors and Le Desalp we've got Smithy's bar the Rompoint the Post Hotel Post in Zermatt we feel that's a really oh, good example of, really good. of a venue who with the forward thinking and planning they can work with us to program an entire winter's worth of live music and DJs to play under one roof. Is that a hint? Several clubs. If you're listening, <laughs> yeah, she's nothing. They've done it. They've done it. We've worked oh, on it. It's sorry. happened. <laughs> we thought there's a festival vibe every week in venues throughout Teen, Maribel, Val with live music DJs and comedy being programmed weekly. So the opportunities are endless to ski, but also have that post skiing party fun offering another element to a ski holiday. While you're here, let's tap into more of your knowledge. Yes. Who is the best apre ski band you've ever seen? The best apre ski band I've ever seen? Well... Is it Mullet? Ed Mullet's... <laughs> he's brilliant. He's brilliant at what he, what he does. Um, but we also love the Wingmen. Yeah. Um, they're one of our top bands that we're working with at the moment. Uh, Bring Your Sisters, huge following behind them um, in previous years. Um, and touring bands that have worked with us such as Counterflow and Block Off The Wall always bring that huge 
APRO party feel now to deliver that quality performance. Chop Shop uh, uh, with the musician Alex Davies who works with them, who's gigging today at the Listex event. Um, but then we've got the Mardi Johnny Depps, Ben Vickers, Al Jones, Sean Haley Smith, Paddy James, Hobo Chic. I mean, these are all examples as well of um, musicians who are working on their own individual originals music, so it's great for them to be able to promote their own personal stuff as well as cover gigs that they do in resort. It must be quite nice for a band because other than the season airs who are there, it's a new crowd every week. Yes, yeah. Not like you struggle to get a gig in the pub down the road because it's the same crowd every week. You're all the same, but it's the crowd that changes, so it must be a really nice one. Easy for you, I guess. Each time the crowd's crept, the each time the crowd's fresh and they want to party and the enthusiasm's there. Like I said, it could be families uh, during maybe the school holiday times, and they want to let their hair down and have fun together. But equally, you've got seasonaires who are constantly wanting fun. You've got those holiday makers that have, they've had their ski holiday, they're having a break from the humdrum life back at home, and they just want to party. They want to have fun and enjoy their drinks and their dancing after every single gig. And uh, any new bands that we should be looking out for on the uh, Apre ski scene? I've heard quite a lot of the people that you've said yes. uh, in my uh, time in the Alps. So this season we're excited to be working with the Uptones, Silver Sold and The Trends. Uh, they're three new bands that we've discovered throughout our showcases this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, How do you find these bands? So we will advertise. Uh, we'll advertise asking for bands to come and try out at our showcases if anybody's interested in doing a winter tour and then that can lead on to bands coming and living and staying in resorts for the winter do you get um, a lot of people do this um i've got a really good band i think you should uh, book them for the Alps. <laughs> yeah we do which is because i've actually got a really good band i think you should work for the Alps. If we're always interested in finding new bands to work with and expanding the bill uh, expanding the business so absolutely right. and if people were, want to come and try out for us at our next showcase in Cardiff in June 2019 we'd, we'd love to see some people I'll give them your email address Please thank you very do. much thank you very much uh, so uh, what is your favourite apre ski band that you've uh, it's got to be um, Superfly who uh, then you know became the feeling uh, in due course um, you know who I'm talking about there yeah, I mean, Superfly yeah, yeah, were based out in for a whole season, and they became, you know, legendary apres ski band. And they played, you know, I organised a number of natives parties that they uh, they played at, you know, ski show parties uh, in the UK as well. And you know, you knew there was something special going on, but I actually had no idea that they were going to you know, turn pro as such. Although I did get a hint because at one of those parties, um, the uh, bassist Richard said to me. I've got a name for the guest list, uh, Sophie Ellis-Bexter. I was like, yeah, right. You know, on a Saturday night in London, Sophie Ellis-Bexter is going to come to the Natives party at uh, some grungy venue in uh, um, you know, Kensington. But uh, sure enough, she she did turn up um, to the event and we whisked her to the front. I think she had Tara Palmer-Tonkinson with her and someone else. And... Uh, Shortly after, we discovered they were engaged, and that was, you know, and they worked as backing uh, guitarists. Sophie Alex Bexter was engaged <laughs> to Tara Palmer. They were, they met her because they were working as session uh, um, musicians for Sophie Alex Bexter, um, and then yeah, they started a romantic relationship. They're now married with uh, with kids, 
and that probably i don't know helped their uh, entry into the world of professional music so for me superfly uh, aka the feeling what about you well, um, well, I really like Sophie Ellis Baxter. She's one of my favourites. Don't tell anyone. Um, I don't know if I've got necessarily a band. You know, Mullet were good. Um, there was a band in Lazark I used to love called Booga. He used to play um, like U2 covers and he had a big guitar, but it was a keyboard guitar. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, one of my favourite ever Apre experiences, I was on a um, fam trip um, in Solden um, with Hotel Plan. And the area manager, forget, I can't remember his name, um, insisted on taking to this little peace side bar and doing a private gig for us. Um, and we were like really excited about it. Turns out he only knows three <laughs> <Yeah>. songs. <laughs> um, and we managed to, because obviously it's in Austria, we managed to turn every single one of those songs into that um, Shatsy song, you know, Shatsy Cinnamon for Door. Um, and that was about three hours of us just basically drunkenly singing that. Okay. That was a great Yeah, well, experience. you know, from that little uh, sequence or segment you gave us there, I think you've got a, a future in that Bray Ski. Maybe there's a, a, a gap in the market somewhere in La Clusa for this winter. What, for people <laughs> who can't sing? <laughs> Absolutely. I thought, I, when, I was sing, when I was singing about that um, song, it's, like a, it's a really popular Austrian um, Apre party song, isn't it? And I thought it was referring to that horrid bar in Ischgl where women dance on tables. But actually, Shatsi just means um, uh, beautiful or something like that. So it's basically about men asking for the photos from women they've never met. So they just walk up. That's what it's about, asking women for photos themselves. So I think I've gone off that. Yeah, now I know the background to it. It's not very um, kind of, you know, meaty, time's up, uh, etc. is it? No, it sounds a bit non-PC. I'm never going to listen to it again in the same way. Unless you're in an yeah. Austrian bar and you've got absolutely no choice. Um, while we're talking about Apre, just one, last, one thing about that. We talked about the Folly Deuce um, opening in Chamonix and stuff. Are you a big Folly Deuce fan? Because I don't think I uh, like it that much. No, I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily claim that uh, you know I've I've danced on the tables at uh, <laughs> any Folly Deuce. Uh, however, the cabaret show is uh, is pretty impressive, and um, you know that incredibly um a great innovation when they brought those in and you know it was just found as air for quite a long time and therefore it made it a bit of a, a spectacle i kind of i kind of feel that it's hard you know i can't speak for what it's like at outdoors or um you know saint gervais you know the new ones that they're opening as to whether the quality is still as good you kind of feel that it's got to be harder to kind of maintain that you know, as they get more and more, you know, the franchise takes over generally. Well, yeah, the Val d'Azur was such a, um, yeah, it was such an original thing. And then you've yeah, got... Yeah, it worked. Yeah, Maribel Courcheval, I think, was the second. False and laboured. Maribel Courcheval, it's obviously in Maribel. Um, you know, Val Terenz, you know, they worked. But I don't know if you know the uh, the chain of, um, I, know, I suppose you call them restaurants, called Bill's. Do you know them? No, well, they started in Lewis, nope. near to where I live in Brighton. Then they have one in Brighton. And, yeah, I used to love going to Bills, and I would often take people to to Bills because it felt like a quirky Brighton type of place. But they've you know expanded and they've got them all over the place now. And I kind of feel well, you know, I'm not going to go to Bills because it's just some some chain, and that's what I kind of see. Folly Deuce, you know, there's a potential, 
that it could become like that. They really, you know, have to be absolutely on it to make sure that the uh, the quality of it and the extent uh, of it doesn't uh, diminish you know, the, the quality of what they're offering. But it really is a sales option, isn't it? Like people do choose their ski holiday. Based, you know, it's a, it informs part of people's buying decision, doesn't it, if there's a folly deuce in the resort? Well, okay. It's okay. a huge okay. selling point, which is obvious in the way that the, the resorts have almost bent over backwards to help them For sure. put them yeah, into no, resorts. That, I mean, that's, that's happened. And I think, you know, French resorts realise that, um, you know, Austria had this... Um, kind of uh, advantage. People always go, "Oh, the Apre in Austria is amazing." Thinking about you know where you mentioned uh, you know Ischgl, you know Saint Anton, classically, you know the crazy kangaroo and the Musavert. You know that's perhaps you know the Folly Deuce is so much more stylish compared to those. You know DJ DJ Otzi and Living on a oh, Prayer yeah. blasted out. Uh, you know, high volume can be quite fun if you've had enough Jägermeisters, but uh, it's not really my kind of uh, thing. Whereas, as I said, that that the uh, the cabaret they have at the Folly Deuce, you know, it, you know, is great. And when you've got someone on a sax accompanying a DJ, and you know, that can work really well. Sorry, I wasn't listening. I was just singing <laughs> "Sweet Caroline" in my head there, uh, just taking myself back. Um, right, well, it's nearly time to wrap up, Ian. How are you getting on with um, the War and Peace? I must book? admit, I'm still getting through it. Or you're because, not uh, I'm, you know, reading something else at the moment, but I am going to, going to move on to it. Um, you, you maybe need to give me a deadline. When are we going to discuss it? Oh, let's do it. Um, do you want to do it in the next pod or the one after? It might have to be the one after two weeks. But I will get All on right, to we'll it. Do it then. I've actually also tried to contact the author. I, I tracked them down on. Uh, on Facebook, but I think they've, you know, I can't remember when the book came out, but uh, I'm going to... 2011. See if we can, uh, you know, get hold of them uh, to add some context. Um, I did spot another book we should oh, yeah. look at, Ian. It's called Radical Games. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, that um, rings a bell. Um, it's um, a coffee table book, essentially, so it's full of images and nice articles from 30 years of GB, Park and Pipe, and all the profits go to back into the, the sporting... Um, people so it looks nice i've not read it um it's 30 pounds i believe you can buy it good christmas present though uh yeah that could uh, genuinely be a good uh, christmas present i'll have to uh, get the pot out before christmas drop a link in there but you know have it in the in the january sales but uh yeah radical not as good as a pair of foil skis though, no, right? or a carve for that matter but uh Absolutely for the, for the snowboarder skier who likes to hit the park or anyone who's interested in uh in Team GB and now we've moved from well to winning medals at the Olympics. This is a story. Well, um, hopefully, um, my wife Fran, can you get that book for me? She always listens to my podcast live. She loves it. Um, right, uh, that's the end of the show. Anything else you want to say? In no, just uh, everyone, you know, enjoy your skiing if uh, you're going out there. And um, what I think the season actually is underway now. It isn't certainly it? is underway. What I'd also say is we've got some, uh, you know, great ski podcast stickers some of which are in <coughs> la rosia at the moment on different places but um, if anyone wants a, a ski podcast sticker just uh, send us an email uh ian at the ski podcast.com or jim at the ski podcast.com and uh yeah we'll send you a few uh, in the post and you can put them on your skis or your helmet or uh, at the bottom of lifts so other people find out about the ski podcast as well i think uh, and then let's have a prize ian i will give away a copy of at least one of the books that we've read this season 
for the best position. Face sticker. over and uh, a tagus, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right, well, that's it. Enjoy the Rosie. Have a lovely Christmas. Um, I will see you in the Alps at some point. Please follow us on Twitter at the Ski Podcast. Find us on Facebook. As Ian said, you can email the show. And really importantly, make sure you review us on iTunes or whichever platform that you listen to us on. And don't keep us a secret. Share us with your mates. Email or um, hit that share button right now and send it to someone who else likes skiing and who likes podcasts. Isn't that right, Ian? That's what we should do. That's what they need to do. Share share the love and and give us reviews so other people can find us. Brilliant. See you in the new year, everyone.